Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Can you feel it? There's been a seismic shift in the college football landscape with legendary programs switching conferences. But who will benefit the most and what conferences need to start adding programs? And what rivalries will be renewed or better yet, the ones we'll see more often? Well, my next guest covers all that and more right here. It's time for the College Football Legends Podcast. The players. We're going to hit somebody and we're taking down the field for a touchdown. I guarantee you that. The coaches. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The plays. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. And so much more. College Football Legends. Heroes come and go, but legends live forever. Welcome to Believe in College Football Legends. I'm Chris Smith. Send me a topic or question on Twitter at the Sports Jesus. That's at the Sports Jesus. We got a great show for you. And you know what else is great? Well, it's Bet Online. Bet Online AG is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get those latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's Pro Hoops playoffs. Look, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home. Head to the website or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. Over the last two years, college sports has seen dramatic changes with conference realignment. The AAC, Conference USA, and Big 12 will see changes this season, while the Big Ten and SEC will send an earthquake through college football in 2024. The big bonus, though, is that several legendary schools will face off more consistently than in the past or even renew some rivalries. So we'll take a look at the winners and losers and make sense of all this change with my special guest on the show, Steve Hegel, president and founder of JustCollegeFootball.net. Give him a follow on Twitter at Steve Hegel. That's H-I-E-G-E-L. Thanks for joining me, Steve. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Let's dive into the dramatic changes and uh, conference realignment and looking ahead to this upcoming season. The Big 12 is going to have BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston in the mix. Which program do you think will have the most success? I would say this year... I would go for BYU. Um, I think in the long run, maybe either either Cincinnati or Houston. I think Houston's going to take a step back this season. Uh, they had a lot of talent last season, and and they didn't do too well. So <laughs> fair too well in the old AAC. So um, and Cincinnati, of course, came off the college football playoff a couple of years ago, and now of course Luke Fickle left. So I think they're going to they're going to take a step back this season well as well. But I think in the long run, and even UCF can be successful. But I think for this season, I think BYU is going to be the most successful team. Oh, they're happy to hear about that. But uh, were you surprised by any of those additions that they left their current conferences and this year will be in the Big Twelve? Oh uh, no, definitely not. I mean, they, they. I mean, it was a it was a no brainer decision, especially for Houston. I think you got looking at the college football landscape, and of course they're looking at it in a college basketball perspective. Same with um, same with Cincinnati and BYU. Not as big, of course, college basketball with UCF, but still. No, it was a no-brainer decision for all all the teams to come to the Big 12. I mean, it's it's such a great conference. Even losing Texas and Oklahoma, it's still going to be a great conference moving forward. You saw how good it was in college basketball last year and in college football with TCU making that great run to the championship game. So I, I, I expect more of the same from the Big 12 this year. Yeah, the Big 12 has already gone two notable changes in the last decade. 
Colorado, Nebraska left in 2011, followed by Missouri and Texas A&M the following year when West Virginia and the aforementioned TCU were added. We're going to get more into the Big Ten, but let's now turn to the AAC with newcomers Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB, and UTSA. Now, UTSA coming off winning two straight Conference USA titles. Can they handle the American Athletics Conference powers like Tulane? Yeah, I think they're going to do really well this year. I think they I think they could definitely win the conference this year. Um, they had a great season last year, and, I mean, I, I, I expect them to be right there at the end of the season challenging Tulane uh, for that conference title this year. It's going to be a tough task for the Roadrunners after the Green Wave went 12-2 last season, won the conference championship, and took down USC in the Cotton Bowl. Plus, with four returning starters on the offensive line, quarterback Michael Pratt will look to add to his over 7,000 passing yards and 68 TDs that he amassed in his career. We're speaking with Steve Eagle from JustCollegeFootball.net. But the big question is, will the AAC survive with the loss of all those programs who jump ship? Yeah, I think the conference will still be very solid, but I think they're definitely the conference as a whole take a, a, a drop down a notch due to those quality teams leaving. I mean, Cincinnati really, really marked the conference um, a place on the map with making the college football playoff a couple of seasons ago. Um, Houston's had a good team for, for several years now, the last couple of years. Um, BYU is, you know, oh, oh, well, of course, BYU wasn't a former AAC member. BYU's always been a solid football program. And then, of course, UCF has, has come out of nowhere in the last couple of decades and, and made themselves a name as well. So I think definitely the AAC um, is, you know, going to take a step back. But I think in the long run, they'll be fine. Yeah, especially with UTSA coming over after those two straight Conference USA titles. Over in that Conference USA, they welcome Jacksonville State Liberty, New Mexico State, and Sam Houston this season with UTSA out of the picture. Can one of the fresh faces take the title? Yeah, I think so. Um, I know a couple of teams are transitioning to uh, FBS football for the first time, so it's going to be a little uh, a little bit of a reawakening for them, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I can definitely... I can definitely see Liberty. Liberty's come a long way. Um, and now, of course, I know Hugh Freeze left, but um, I know they're in good hands with their new head coach. And I, I can definitely see um, Liberty making a run to win that conference this season. Um, they were an independent for years with Hugh Freeze. Malik Willis, the quarterback, uh, was an outside Dark Horse Heisman candidate a couple of seasons ago. And I, I mean, I mean, they played a tough non-conference uh, independent schedule the last couple of years, and they, they had they had, had good seasons and good luck. So I, I, I can definitely see them challenging for the championship this season. Yeah, Liberty has participated in four bowl games since joining the FBS in 2018, and they've done very well going three and one. And like you mentioned, Jacksonville State have appeared in the Division II playoffs 10 times with an overall record of 15 and nine. They were national champs in 92, but they are going to make the big leap. We're speaking with Steve Hegel from JustCollegeFootball.net. Make sure you check it out. It's a one-stop shop for all your college football needs. Now, next season, 2024, going to have a seismic shift in the college football landscape as Texas and Oklahoma head to the SEC. This will be the third instance in which the SEC adds two teams to the conference since it was founded in 1932. And at first it appeared that Oklahoma was the big name, but now it seems like Texas may be the front runner to battle for the SEC crown next year. Yeah, I mean, Texas, uh, Steve Sarkeesian has done a remarkable job at Texas. I mean, they nearly beat Alabama last year in the second game. Of course, they get their shot this year. They got to go to Tuscaloosa to play them. But yeah, they got Arch Manning, the, you know, five-star quarterback. Um, and I mean, look, at he's going to challenge Quinn Ewers for the spot. I mean, now if Ewers 
Of course, he got hurt last year in that Alabama game. Who knows if he would stayed healthy in that game? They could have won that game. Now, if he does go down again, Manning can come in and, and they can plug him right in and he can go, go right from there. But I think Texas is going to have a really good season this year and then going to be even better as they enter the SEC in 2024. Well, Steve, Texas looks to build off last season where they went eight and five, but they did go six and three in the Big 12. Like you said, Sark enters his third season on 40 acres, sporting a 13 and 12 record. But of the Longhorns, 12 losses in the past two seasons, 10 of them have been just by one possession, including all five last season losses. Now, which program gets the bigger boost in the long run when they move over to the SEC, Oklahoma or Texas? I say the Longhorns. Um... I think the Sooners will, will be will be a, will be a close second. It'll be a you know they'll be in a dead heat. Uh, but I still think the Longhorns have the edge. I, I just think that you know that program's on the rise again. And Oklahoma's kind of I mean they took a step back last season. We'll see. I know they had the the coaching change. We'll see. And Lincoln Riley left. We'll see how they how they do moving forward. But I think I think it's going to be Texas definitely going forward for the next several seasons. Well, it's going to be a big loss. Oklahoma and Texas have combined to win seventeen conference championships. Since joining the Big 12 and the Sooners, 14 conference titles are the most by any team since they joined the Big 12 in 1996. So looking at that Big 12, does this kneecap them? Or are they in trouble in the near future? No, I think they're going to be OK with the teams they've added. Um, they're solid programs. Um, I, I think I think this is, of course, the new way of college sports, you know, different different uh, universities leave and go to a different conference. I, I I think the Big 12 is going to be fine. Have you, have you seen the last look at last year? I mean, TCU came out of pretty much came out of nowhere. Nobody picked them, you know, in the first half, in the top half of the conference. And they not only did they, they went, you know, they won the regular season conference. They lost the conference title game. Of course, they still got in the college football playoff and went to the championship game. So I think they'll be fine. Kansas State had a great season last year. There's a lot of good programs in that conference. And I think even by losing Texas and Oklahoma, I think, I think they're going to be just fine. The conference is going to be fine as a whole. Yeah. Well, for this season in 2023, they're going to add, like we said, a BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, meaning those schools will cross paths with Oklahoma and Texas for the 2023 season before the Sooner and Longhorns head to the SEC. And we have on the show Steve Hegel, president and founder of JustCollegeFootball.net. Give him a follow on Twitter at Steve Hegel, H-I-E-G-E-L. And we'll have more Believe in College Football Legends right after this. Welcome back to Believe in College Football Legends. I'm Chris Smith, and we have on the show Steve Hegel, president and founder of JustCollegeFootball.net, and we're discussing the current and future changes with conference realignment. Now, the other big shakeup for 2024 is in the Big Ten, as they add UCLA and USC. Now, the Big Ten already had blue bloods like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, but will Lincoln Riley and the USC Trojans outshine them all come next season? No, I think they'll have they'll they'll do really well in the Big Ten. I think it's going to take an adjustment period to get used to. Depending on you're going to see, it's going to be very interesting. I think one of the most important things you'll see is the schedule, is because do you, once it gets to mid October, do they want to have any a game in Wisconsin or a game at Ohio State on the road in the cold weather, <laughs> which is going to be a, um, a rude awakening for them. Absolutely. Same with UCLA and the but travel. Yeah, and the travel too. Same, same, but I think with I, I think same with um, UCLA. I think it'll take a couple seasons to, to to get used to. But I think they're both programs will be fine in the long run in the conference. Um, they're both talented teams. I think USC could be in this year for a banner year in, in, in regards to making the college football playoff. But I mean, yeah, they're def, they're definitely the travel is really going to be the 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 travel and the and the depending on where they're going, how the schedule sets up are going to be the two biggest factors because 
you never know. You don't. You're not, they're not used to playing a night game in early November in Michigan or Penn State or at you know or Ohio State or Wisconsin or anywhere you know in those north northern uh, midwestern uh, cities or universities. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting how that lays out. That's going to be the most important thing. Whether they bookend them with maybe like two home games and then two road games or uh, I don't know. That's going to be the probably most interesting thing to see in the first couple of seasons how they deal with the travel and of course the the um the weather. Yeah, weather's definitely going to be a factor. Last time USC played a football game that was below freezing at kickoff was all the way back November 23rd, 2013 at Colorado. And the Big Ten will become the only FBS conference with schools located in both the Eastern time zone and the Pacific time zone. The Bruins and Trojans moved to the Big Ten, which would require USC, UCLA, Rutgers, or Maryland to travel over 1,000 extra miles past the longest flight in the current Pac-12 for a conference game. Based on the current win totals in FBS history, the Big Ten would have five of the top ten winningest programs all time with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, and USC. So is this season so important for UCLA and USC to head on over with a full head of steam? Yeah, I think it definitely is. Uh, and USC, like I said, I just mentioned, I think they're going to be a contender for the college football playoff. I think UCLA will have a solid year as well. Uh, but yeah, you 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 want to you want to gain momentum and of course the good thing about that too it opens up new new uh areas of recruiting for those programs to figure hey we're going to go to the midwest you know a couple times a year to play a game or even sure. all the way to the east coast east all the way to the east coast possibly if they're playing maryland penn state or Rutgers. so it's like it just opens up the recruiting even more for those programs um and to be seen you know on a national level and the big 10 was smart now they got all the tv windows they got the 12 o'clock window the 330 window the 730 window and then the late night game if, if one of the other teams is playing at UCLA or UCLA or at USC, which I'm sure is going to happen almost every week. I'm so. sure. And neither USC nor UCLA, like you said, have played in Big Ten territory often over the last two decades, though neither one has lost a Big Ten road game in that span. And we're speaking with Steve Hegel from JustCollegeFootball.net. Make sure you go. It's one-stop shopping for your college football fix. So where does that leave the Pac-12? Do they need to add now, and what direction should they look? Yeah, I think I think they do need to add. I I wouldn't be surprised. I know they're working on their their t- their TV rights, uh, their TV deal, their next TV deal, and I know they've been having a few issues. I've seen a lot of stuff going back and forth about that. I think they definitely should add San Diego State. I think that was etched in stone with the with the San Diego State's run in college basketball. I think they're they could definitely easily fit in college basketball, and their football team, their football program is really solid as well. The second team, I maybe Boise State. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I guess that's a that's a that's a that's a million dollar question. Who would that second team be that could uh, they could join the program to give them to give them the 12 again instead instead of just the 10 teams? But I wouldn't be surprised if it happens in the next six to six to nine months. Well, San Diego State AD did confirm that the school will join the Pac-12 or Big 12 eventually. So the Aztecs will be joining a Power Five conference. But like you said. It's just a matter of when, but the Pac-12 is losing a significant component of its historical college football footprint in USC and UCLA. The conference has won a share of nine national championships in college football, eight of them by either USC or UCLA, and that includes the later vacated 2004 USC National Championship title. And looking at the other conferences that have yet to add programs, Right now or in the future, who would be best suited for an increase, the ACC, the MAC, or the Mountain West? 
I would say probably the I say probably the Mountain West. I I know a lot of things are going on with the ACC. I think they're they're definitely not going to add anybody in the near future. Yeah, they, um, they had that meeting, <laughs> and it sounds like they're standing pat for now. Yeah, and then of course the the MAC is is the MAC is the MAC, and I don't see them adding anybody either. But the Mountain West, I can see them adding because I think, like I said, I had mentioned before, I think the Pac-12 is probably going to mine a few teams from them so they're going to have to add a couple teams and, and to replace the teams they're going to possibly lose so i could definitely see them adding a few teams in the next three to five seasons three to five years so yeah, we'll see. Who, who those are going to be that that's the million dollar question yeah well you mentioned boise state that's a good one as it currently stands power five conferences by 2024 the acc will have 14 teams there is some good news from all that change with the new conference realignment as several legendary programs will face off more consistently than in the past or renew some rivalries. Some of those are going to be for Texas. Texas versus Texas A&M, Texas and Arkansas, and Texas versus Alabama. USC also gets more Ohio State and against Michigan, plus Penn State, while Oklahoma gets Alabama and Missouri. Of those continuing more often or renewing, which of those are most appealing? I think Texas is going to be very appealing because I know A&M left that conference and a small reason was that they didn't, didn't want to deal with Texas anymore. And now, of course, Texas is We're the back. Yeah, they're, they're, right, they're right back and they're going to be playing. And I'm sure they're going to be playing them every season. I cannot imagine them not having that game every season. I mean, there's such a close proximity, you know, that, that's got to be a game on the schedule every season. Um, as for um, another game, I think maybe not every season, but definitely would be huge would be that Texas-Arkansas game. I think that could be a great game. If, even if they don't play every season, every other season, that would be that would be a great game. So it's going to be interesting to see what the SEC does. I don't think they've announced yet with them coming next year if they're still going to have two divisions or they're going to break it all up and just lump everybody into one conference. One That's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one mega conference. That's good because I know a lot of the a lot of the power conferences, the Pac-12 broke theirs up last year. Um, Big Ten is breaking theirs up this year. Or is it next year? See, this year, next year. Um, I'm not sure what the ACC is doing yet, but a lot of them are breaking them up. So if you get to the like the Pac-12, have 12 teams this year, and who finishes first, who finishes second, that's who plays in the, tw- the championship game. Besides, instead of going before with the East and West or the North and South conferences, yeah, it seems like they're all getting rid of the uh, the divisions at this point. Yeah. Those top rivalries are going to be great. Uh, like you mentioned, Texas and Texas A&M, they played each other every year from 1915 to 2011. And began facing off in 1894, Texas and Arkansas. That's another good one, like you mentioned. First played one another in 1894 as well. Both members of the Southwest Conference from 1915 to 1991 before Arkansas jumped to the SEC. My special guest on the show is Steve Hegel. Make sure you check out adjustcollegefootball.net. Steve is going to have... The 2023-24 College Football Preview, getting you ready for the season. Tons of info all the way to the National Championship game. Now, last season, Sunbelt added uh, James Madison, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss. And most of the new kids on the block had strong seasons. James Madison, 8-3 and three in the conference. Marshall, 9-4. and four. Southern Miss, 7-6. Only Old Dominion had a losing record of 3-9 and nine in the conference. And they also had some built-in rivalries. James Madison versus Old Dominion, the royal rivalry. They met for three times. And Appalachian State and Marshall, the Old Mountain Feud, 25 meetings. So was this past season a success for the Sun Belt? Yeah, it was a huge success. Uh, great great pickups, uh, great programs for them to pick up. Um, I mean, 
even though Old Dominion didn't have the best year, they did uh, have a great win at the beginning of the season over Virginia Tech. I remember that game. Um, Marsh, um, excuse me, um, James Madison had an incredible season their first year. You know, they they could challenge, you know, for the conference championship this season. Um, you know, it's and that was their first season transitioning to FBS, so it's it's only going to get better for them. I mean, that conference is definitely on the rise. It's gotten better and better through the years. It used to be just you know App State or maybe Louisiana would kind of dominate, but now of course Coastal Carolina has come on in the last several years. It's gotten a lot more competitive. Uh, the programs have gotten better and better each season, so it's 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 definitely put themselves on the map. Yeah, they absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Up until two thousand nine, the conference only had a contract with one bowl, the New Orleans Bowl. But as of the twenty twenty two twenty three NCAA football games, the Sun Belt Conference has tie ins with the Camille Bowl, Cure Bowl, Lending Tree Bowl, Myrtle Beach Bowl, and the New Orleans Bowl. So definitely on the rise. Look, make sure you check out JustCollegeFootball.net as Steve will have his 2023 college football preview, getting you ready for the season, plus great content all fall on the road to crowning a new national champion. All right, it's time to go for two. Get that kicker out of there. Two final points. It's time to go for two, two lighter questions to close out the interview. First off, you are a John Wooden Award voter given to the most outstanding college basketball players. What is your criteria? Uh, my criteria personally or the committee's criteria? What's your, like what's the, your criteria personally? My criteria is um, personally is the player that I think helps their team the most and is most impactful throughout the entire college basketball season. Um, you'll see some players like a couple of seasons ago, uh, almost everybody in the country voted for Zion Williamson uh, to be player of the year. And I, he had an incredible season. I, I think, I thought the most valuable player, I'll say, I still, I voted for John Morant who played for uh, Murray state. I thought he was the most integral part of his, you know, to his team. He averaged 10 assists, which hadn't been done in 40 years in college basketball over 20 points a game. And he, if you took him off that team, look how much they would have dropped where if you took Zion off the Duke team, they would have dropped, but they wouldn't have dropped that much because they had so many other star players on that team as well. Hmm. So that's how I look at it. I look at it. Who, who is most, integral to the team's success and how far would they go without that one individual player? Well, I'm sure Ja will be happy to know that, uh, that you wanted him as the recipient of the John Wooden award. Yeah. I, th I think he was the best player that season. And I think it, you know, uh, it definitely helped that team get to another level, get to two other levels than they were where they would have been. No, definitely. Yeah. And finally, I'm a foodie and I can't leave out your alma mater. What was the best spot to eat around Towson university and the Baltimore area. What are we having? Uh, crab cakes. Um, Can't go wrong with those a, Maryland crab cakes. Yeah, there's several great places you can go um, right around Towson in the Baltimore area for crab cakes. Um, I could I could name them all day. There's a place called Pappas. There's a place called the Valley Inn. Um, Mother's Grill. There, there's there's so many places to get good crab cakes around the Baltimore Towson area. Uh, you got and, my mouth and that was yeah, that was my that's that's always my favorite favorite food. So if you're if you're not kind of from the Maryland, you know, Eastern Shore area, you're probably not a, as big a crab fan, crab cake fan. But um, yeah, if you're if if you like them, you know, there, there's a lot of great places around here to get them. A lot of people have them shipped nationwide too. That are from originally from this area. Um, if they head out, if they move somewhere else, you know, and their friends can ship them out there, you know, to them for Christmas. I heard it's a big time Christmas gift these days. Oh, nice. Well, I'll be yeah. looking forward to some. <laughs> <laughs> we got a stamp as approval on the crab case and we've been speaking with steve hegel from justcollegefootball.com thanks for joining me steve oh you're welcome thank you very much for having me i really appreciate it
As always, Believe in College Football Legends is presented by Bet Online. Thanks for listening to the Believe in College Football Legends podcast. Make sure to check out all the prior episodes with Heisman winners, legendary coaches, and sports personalities reliving the greatest plays. You can tweet your questions at the Sports Jesus and join us next week because it will be legendary. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.